Morning, sons and daughters of the Most High God. Glad you're here today. He is risen. He's risen. risen indeed. Yes, he has. I'd like to invite you to take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to uh, the resurrection story. Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. He is risen. Matthew 28, beginning in verse 1. This morning, I want to talk to you about the original Tomb Raider. You've heard of the Tomb Raider, right? Right. But this is the original Tomb Raider. We want to talk about him. His name is Jesus. Matthew chapter 28. It says, And after the Sabbath, that would be Saturday in the Jewish calendar, after the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, that would be Sunday, Sunday's the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. And there was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. Now let me just pause for just a moment. We, we've seen in our culture for years and years that angels are fat, chubby, naked little babies, right? <laughs> You've seen it, right? You know, the little thing, and it's on the, you get the card in the mail, and it's got this cute little, you know, chubby little baby, and looks like it could be in a Gerber commercial or something with the little wings off the back of it. Well, I don't think the guards would have fallen down dead if they'd seen that. Do you? Right, some little, some little baby sitting, you know, a little baby sitting there all chubby and everything. You go, oh, how cute is that, right? Isn't that what you do? Oh, how cute, right? Isn't that what you do, Millie? Sure, that's what you do. You don't fall down dead in front of a baby, right? So there was, there's something about angels that we've, we've kind of missed out on in our society. And I, I, think, I think angels are ginormous, okay? I think maybe nine or ten feet tall. I think they would be bending over in this room right here, wishing the ceiling would be a little bit taller. And they've got swords with them, big ginormous swords, that, you know, like tall as I am. And that's what they carry around with, and that's what they do battle with, right? That's, what, that's an angel. You're not going to fall down dead like these guys did as a little baby. There was something massive there that, that scared them. And so they became like dead men. Like, don't, don't move. Maybe he won't bother me, right? Right, don't move. You know, kids, it's like that when you're, you're cutting up and, you know, you're supposed to be asleep and you, you hear the parent open the door, right? And the parental unit comes in and you play like a dead man, right? And then when they close the door and go back out, you get to play and, you know, you're reading your book under the whatever you're doing. They played like dead men. They, they became possums, right? And the angel said to the women, don't be afraid, for I know you're looking for Jesus, who was crucified, he's not here, he's risen. Okay. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly, tell his disciples, he's risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. And there you'll see him. And now I've told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell the disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him and clasped his feet and worshiped him. And Jesus said, do not be afraid. Go tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Now, that's the story that we're familiar with. Maybe some of the stories in the New Testament we're not familiar with about Jesus being a tomb raider. He, he raided his own tomb here. But while you have Matthew open, I want you to look at something. Back up to chapter 27 and find verse 50. It just should be on the same page or maybe the page right before that. Matthew 27, 50. 
This is a, a passage that maybe you're just not familiar with. It says, And when Jesus had cried out again in loud voice, he gave up his spirit. That is, Jesus died on the cross. We celebrate that as Good Friday, but he died on the cross. But look what happened when he died. Now, when he, when he died on the cross physically, spiritually, he was still alive. He had work to do. He had work to do at that moment. And so the Bible says, At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks split. Check this out. The tombs broke open, and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs, and after Jesus' resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. Have you ever heard that story? Jesus died, physically died. He's on the cross, physically died. His spirit was still alive, right? And so he had work to do. And his work was to, to go to the people who had died before him, tell them the good news, and allow them the opportunity to, to accept him as their Lord and Savior. And they rose, from the, they rose from the dead. We don't know dozens, hundreds. We're not really sure how many. But they, they came out and started walking around. They waited a couple of days. They waited for his resurrection. They wanted the king of kings and the, the, the prince to go first in leading the procession of all the people who had been raised from the dead. And so Jesus led out, and they followed him and went around the city and said, hey to everybody. So there you are, right? There you are. It's Sunday. The resurrection has happened, right? And uh, you're having lunch with, with, with Aunt Sue, right, with Aunt Susan. Aunt Susan has invited you over to have lunch. Right? And you're sitting there eating, and you're having a good time eating. you got some, I don't know, some turnip greens, some cornbread, some black-eyed peas. You're just really enjoying yourself. And you hear this knock at the door, right? And it's your grandma or your great-grandma knocking at the door saying, What y'all got? Y'all got any more for me? These people went and walked around and talked to their neighbor. Who'd they go to see? They went to see their family and friends, right? And that's pretty, you got to admit, that's pretty cool. Right? Only Jesus could pull something like that off. You see, he's a tomb raider. He raided that tomb immediately after he died on the cross and said, I'm going to set these people free. And they're going to be witnesses of what I can do. And, you know, that's one of the beauties of the resurrection is that Jesus is setting the setting story for us to tell us that we can, we can and will be resurrected too. Your body may die. There's a 100% chance your body's going to die. 100% chance, right? But your spirit will live, and where it lives... It's based on what you choose. If you choose Jesus, your spirit get to, gets to live with Jesus. If you reject Jesus, your spirit doesn't live with Jesus the rest of your life, right? You spend eternity in heaven or eternity in hell. It's your choice. That's what the Bible says. Jesus is a tomb raider, and he's telling us that whatever tomb we're in, he can resurrect us from that. I'll get to that in a minute, though. So here we see Jesus Set an example for us. But what about his early? What about his early ministry? We see in Luke chapter 7 where this widow lady only had one child. She had a son. And her son passed away. And Jesus just happened to be on the scene. I love it when Jesus just happens to show up in places. But he does. He shows up in our lives at the most opportune times, even when we're not expecting it. And this widow woman who had nobody to take care of her other than her son... He passed away. And so she encountered Jesus, and Jesus said, I've got this. And he raised her son back to life. That's a really great story, right? There's another story that you might not know about. In Luke chapter 8, the next chapter in the book of Luke, there was a guy named Jairus. Anybody here named Jairus? 
I didn't think so. It's a really cool name. If you want to pick it, you can choose it. It's right in the Bible. It's a really cool name. But Jairus was a ruler of the synagogue, which means he was like the head religious leader. Now, the synagogue was where uh, Jewish men got together and talked about God, talked about scriptures, and, and talked about laws and rules and regulations and things like that. And he was the ruler of this particular group of people. And he had a 12-year-old daughter. And she got really sick. And so they sent word to Jesus and said, can you come and check on my daughter and heal her because she's really, really sick? And Jesus said, I'll, I'll, I'll be there in just a little bit. And Jesus started on the journey. And you remember the story. The crowd was all around him, and he was trying to go down the street, and there was hustle and bustle everywhere, and everybody wanted to see Jesus. And there was a woman who had been sick for a long, long time. And she reached out. Remember the story? She reached out and touched the hem of his garment and was what? Healed instantly, right? Right there. And so on his way to heal a 12-year-old daughter, he healed a woman who had been sick for 12 years of a disease, right? And she got healed. And by the time Jesus was able to get to the place where he was going, the little 12-year-old girl had died. And so they, they met him at the door and said, there's no need to come in anymore. She's, she's, she's dead. Just, just going about your way. And he said, she's not dead. She's only sleeping. Because Jesus understands the difference in death and life. He understands, he understands what he can do in his own power. He can bring life to anything because that's who Jesus is, right? And so he said, no, she's not dead. She's only sleeping. Y'all leave me alone for just a second. I'll take care of this. I've got this. And Jesus goes in and raises her back to life again. You see, he raided the tomb for the little boy that died. He raided the tomb for the little girl that died. He's a, he's a tomb raider. He likes doing that. And then we fast forward to Luke chapter 15, where Jesus, Jesus had a best friend. Do you have a best friend? You have a best friend, somebody you call? You're pointing to her, right? Yeah, her best friend. She's not so sure if she's your best, your, her best friend, but she, she didn't point. She was, she was looking in the Bible. I mean, you know, come on now. But, in, uh, but Lazarus, was Jesus' best friend, I think. Because he was always at his house. Lazarus had Mary and Martha, his sisters. You've heard of those, those ladies. And, and Lazarus. And he was always hanging out at their house. And they sent, message, they sent a message to Jesus one day. and said, look, your friend Lazarus is sick. He's, he's not doing real well. You've you got to get here. You've got to get here soon. And Jesus waited four days. Four days. Jesus waited four days to go see his best friend. Because God had already told him that something special was taking place. You see, Jesus talked with his father every morning and said, Daddy, what's the plan today? Hey, by the way, which is a great plan for all of us, a great way to start your day. Daddy, what's the plan for the day? And just listen. And whatever the father tells you to do, go about doing it. If you've you know, you got to work eight hours or 10 hours or 12 hours that day, and you've got to make some deliveries or go see some people, just, Daddy, I'm going to be doing this today. What? What can I do for you while I'm on my way? It's a great prayer to pray. Start your day that way. Well, Jesus did that every day. And on that particular day, he had had a conversation with his father. And the father said, yes, your best friend Lazarus is sick and he's going to die. But I've got better plans for him because I want to bring some glory to you, Jesus. And I'm bringing some glory to myself. We're going to do something special with Lazarus. And Jesus said, okay, dad. 
And the father said, you hang out here for four days. Because see, in Jewish culture, when a person died, they had three days. Supposedly, this is what Jewish people thought, that their spirit hung out around them for three days. And so wherever the body was, the spirit hung out, just kind of watched things for three days, hoping maybe something would change. Come on, come on, dude. Come on, you know. Come on, slap and rattle or something. I don't know. Come on, come back to life. And so they believed for three days, but after three days, the spirit would go be with God. And so there was no hope of a resurrection. That's what Jewish people thought. There's no hope for a resurrection after the third day. So that's why Jesus waited four days. And so when Jesus got there, Mary and Martha met him. You know, they went running out to see Jesus. Oh, if only you'd been here, you wouldn't have died. If you'd been here, you could have healed him. And, and Jesus looked at him and said, look, I got something better. Daddy's got something better for Lazarus. He's got something better for you. You're going to see some great things. Okay, so they trusted him. So they said, where, where is he? Well, he's, he's in the tomb. We've already rolled the stone in front of that. You know, body decays quite quickly uh, in, in that climate, in that culture without being embalmed. And so they went over there, and there's Jesus. He's standing at the tomb, and Lazarus is in there, and there's a great crowd around him by this time wondering what's going to go on. Why is Jesus here? And uh, Jesus is looking at the tomb, and the shortest verse in the Bible is there, John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. Hey, very good. You all, you all memorized the scripture this morning. John eleven thirty five. 35, Jesus wept. Why did he weep? He lost his friend, but he knew he was going to raise him back to the life again, right? So here's what I think. This is gemology, okay? This is gemology. I can't prove this anywhere else. I think he wept because he knew he was bringing Lazarus back from heaven and that Lazarus was going to have to go through this all over again, life and death all over again. And that he was sad that he had to bring him back from his father's presence. I think that's why he cried, personally. Can't prove any of that. But there he is. He's in front of the tomb. And he says in a loud voice, and I won't get real loud, but he said, Lazarus, come forth, right? Now, I've heard preachers of old say that if he had not used the word Lazarus and just said, come forth, everybody in the grave would have popped out, right? <laughs> That'd been something, wouldn't it? But he specified that Lazarus come forth. And it's Lazarus pops out. And he's all wrapped up in his, in his burial garb and everything. It's, it's, somebody let him loose and get him something to eat. Right? And I can just imagine that Lazarus came and gave Jesus a big hug. And, and they, they all went and had a meal together. You see, Jesus likes raiding tombs. He really does. And his best friend, he brought him back. And everybody gave glory to God because of that. You see, that was a setup for Jesus when he rose from the tomb. See, Jesus is the original tomb raider because he brought himself back to life. Jesus said, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down on my own. And no one raises my life back up to me. I raise it back up myself. Because that's what Jesus does. Now, that's the story of Jesus being a tomb raider. Let's make a practical application this morning. There's a verse in the Bible that I find fascinating about tombs. It's in Genesis chapter 50 and verse 5. Where Jacob, one of the patriarchs, that is one of the Old Testament leaders of the day, back in the day, Jacob made this statement. He said, bury me in a tomb that I have dug for myself. Bury me in the tomb that I have dug for myself. Bury me in the hole that I have dug for myself. Now, apparently, Jacob... Realized at some point there's a 100% chance of physical death, right? And so he had prepared a tomb for himself. And he dug it himself. 
He dug a hole in the rock, or we don't exactly know what it was, but bury me in that tomb that I dug for myself. Now, let me ask you a question. Have you ever dug a hole for yourself? Have you ever dug a hole for yourself? Oh, you have. Come on. If you're a teenager, you've dug a hole for yourself, right? Not literally, but spiritually, emotionally, parentally, you've dug a hole for yourself somewhere. I did. So I did something, and my mom said, uh, well, you're going to be grounded for a week. I'm like, but why? And you know, you get, why, 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 why? And so I just went off on her. And she said, say one more word. So I turned in on my brother and said, say one more word. <laughs> Bam, that's two weeks. That's two weeks grounded. Say one more word. One more word. That's three weeks you're grounded, right? Have you ever dug a hole for yourself? That's called digging a hole for yourself. Where somebody says don't do something and you do it. And, and, and then you get another week of detention, another week of detention, another week of detention, or whatever it is. I see somebody patting teenagers on the back. I'm sorry, teenagers, <laughs> but it's true. So, so the, 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 the easy principle here is don't dig a hole for yourself, right? Don't, don't keep piling stuff on yourself. You know, it's, it's like credit cards. You could dig a hole for yourself with credit cards, right? Well, I maxed this one out. It'll be okay. I can pay it off. Let's max this one out. Oh, let's max this one out. Have you ever been at a checkout somewhere and somebody opens up their, their wallet or their purse or whatever? They got 25 cards. That's exactly the number I was going to use. They got 25 credit cards there, and they give one, and that's full, and give one, that's full, and they just keep going through until they find one that, that dings. That's digging a hole for yourself. It's going, it's going to be a while to get out of that. Have you ever read the credit thing on, the, on your credit card statement that says, if you pay this amount... You pay only the minimum amount. It'll take you 47 years to pay off this $500. Have you seen that? And you'll pay $17,000 in interest. Have you ever read that line? If you've got credit cards and you get a credit card bill, you ought to read that line every time you get the bill. Just read it. It'll get in your brain. It'll make you think, I need to pay this thing off. I need to pay it off. And then the little line that says, oh, and if you don't pay it on time, it jumps from 8% interest to 77% interest. Have you seen that one? And sure enough, the next credit card bill that comes along, you're going, oh, my. Well, I think we dig holes for ourselves with other things. And I want you to know that Jesus stands ready to come resurrect you out of the tomb, out of the hole that you've dug for yourself. And so just a couple of things. I think some of us are living in the tomb of guilt that we've dug for ourselves. You did something a long time ago or last week. And you're embarrassed now by what you did. Maybe you're, you're an adult now and you did something as a teenager or a young adult that you're embarrassed about. And you continue to live with that guilt of what you did, right? And you've dug a hole for yourself, just like Jacob did. He dug a tomb for himself to live there. I want you to know that Jesus died on the cross to free you from that guilt. Yes, you made a mistake. Yes, you sinned. But Jesus says if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What does that mean, cleanse us from unrighteousness? Righteousness means relationship. In other words, makes the relationship right again. 
You've been living in guilt. Listen, if you're living in guilt over some past sin, no relationship you have is as good as it can be. Did you, let, me say that, let me say that in Spanish, okay? Right? If you're still living with guilt over something you did 20 years ago, no relationship you have can be as strong as it needs to be today because of that guilt you're living in. You're, you're, still, you're still processing, playing that over and over and over in your head, and it's impacting your marriage. It's impacting the way you parent. It's impacting the way you work with people. Just let Jesus come in and heal you from that. Let him, let him raid that tomb and deliver you from that guilt and know that, that he wants to set you free from the guilt that you feel over what you did was wrong. Just confess and say, Father, I, I messed up. I did it. Will you please forgive me for that and heal me from that? And he'll simply say, sure, I'd love to do that. What father wouldn't want to heal their child, right? Right? Child comes in, maybe they've cut themselves, and the father looks at and says, well, that's, that's your fault. Right? No, the father's going to come in and say, hey, let me, let me just get a Band-Aid. Let's, you know, let's fix this thing up. Let's make it right. And that's what a heavenly father is. Whatever, whatever tomb that you've built of guilt, ask God to free you from that. He will. How about the tomb of unforgiveness? Unforgiveness. So somebody hurt you. Somebody hurt you really bad. I mean, real bad. Maybe it was your best friend who stabbed you in the back many times, right? And you're like David. You remember David, what he said in the Psalms? He said, I could, I could deal with this betrayal, but you were my best friend. We took communion together. We, we shared meals together, and yet you did this to me. It's, it's one of the hardest things to forgive anybody from is betrayal, where they betrayed you. It's just it's one of the hardest things. And so you've got this unforgiveness in your heart toward them. That's a tomb that you've built with your own hands. You realize that you not forgiving them doesn't impact them at all. You realize that, right? You're the one living in misery. They could care less. They've moved on. They're not sitting around thinking about how badly they treated you. If they were, they would come and ask your forgiveness. Now, forgiveness is between you and, you and God. Okay? You and God. God, I've had this horrible attitude toward this person for years because of what they did. Please forgive me for that attitude. And Jesus says, great, I'd like to set you free from that tomb. I'd like to raid that tomb and set you free and, and give you freedom so that you can pray for them and bless them in the name of Jesus. Reconciliation is when you go back to them. Now, there's some places you can't go be reconciled with somebody because they don't have any part of that. But I'm talking about forgiveness here. I'm not talking about reconciliation. Reconciliation takes one person, you and God. Excuse me. Forgiveness takes one person, you and God. Reconciliation takes two people, you going to someone else and working it out. Don't live in the tomb of unforgiveness. Forgive people. You'll live longer. You'll live happier. You'll enjoy life better. And then what about the, the tomb of self-pity? So life hasn't worked out like you wanted it to. Uh, you, wrote, you wrote your life chapters. You wrote your script a long time ago, and it just hadn't, it just hadn't worked out. And so you begin pitying yourself. And you try to draw people into that with you. Listen, that'll never work. Uh, pity parties are really only for one person, right? Or three people like I used to hear, me, myself, and I, right? right? We're going to have a pity party. Don't, don't live there. So, so life hasn't worked out good for you. 
go to Jesus and say, look, this just isn't working out for me. Help me understand why. Help me understand what. Where do I need to go from here? Just start asking the questions. And be still and listen to what Jesus has to say. And don't focus on yourself. Focus on someone else. Don't live in that tomb. It's not healthy. It's not happy. Uh, Jesus wants to set you free from that. Just start talking about how do I get free from this tomb that I'm in? And then the last tomb that I'll mention is the tomb of anxiety, worry, anxiety and worry. You know, Jesus said, look, the, the birds don't worry about what they're going to eat. There's this stuff everywhere, right? You know, the, the, the flowers don't worry about what they're going to wear. Uh, God says, I, I'll take care of that. There's so many things that we worry about. We're consumed with worry. You know, if you watch TV at all, you, you know, you see the commercials for the pills, right? Right. And so they come on and they're like, if, if your left knee hurts on Thursdays and your big toe hurts on Fridays, then you need to go to the doctor and get this pill. And by the way, the side effects are death and some, you know, <laughs> lobotomy. I mean, it just goes down the list of all the things that the pill is going to do for you, right? Yeah. Oh, my God, which one's worse, the left knee or the pill? Left knee or the pill? Which one do I choose? If you watch the, you need to mute those commercials, by the way. They will drive you insane. You'll go to the mirror and you start thinking, I got, I got that. I think I've got, uh, yep. You start checking your pulse and then you run to the doctor and say, I saw this on the TV. Can you imagine what doctors think? Cha-ching. Cha -ching. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly what they think, I guess. So, yeah, yeah, cha-ching. It worked. It worked. It's working. I mean, it's amazing how sick we are as humans if everything on that TV is what's going on. So, but that can cause anxiety, right? It can. It can cause you to just worry about everything. And sometimes we dig a hole for ourselves like Jacob did too soon. You need to dig the hole for your grave five minutes before you fall into it. Uh, maybe three minutes. Right? Don't dig it before then. Don't worry about life before then. Matter of fact, just, just fall over and let somebody else figure out about digging your hole. Right, right? Am I right? Bam! I'll let them worry about it. They'll call the funeral home and make arrangements and it'll all be good. Don't be anxious about this. Don't, don't dig your tomb before it's time. Right? You've got a lot of life to live. A lot of life to live. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Listen, enjoy that donut every now and then. It's okay. Okay? A hundred in a day will kill you. One every now and then is not going to kill you. Right? Enjoy it. And every week it comes out, this will kill you, next week it won't kill you. So three weeks ago, coffee is the best thing for you. Cures Alzheimer's, cures diabetes. I mean, just go down the list. And then three days ago, coffee's going to kill you. Right? causes cancer, you know, in mice, you know, when they drink 17 gallons in three minutes. You know, it's just, <laughs> bless those mice heart. Can you imagine being a, can you imagine being a little mouse and, <laughs> could I have some cream with that, please? Come on, maybe a little cheese on the side. Come on now. <laughs> just enjoy life. It's there for us to enjoy. And then there's eternity, which is going to be amazing. Gonna be everything we enjoy here, we're going to get to enjoy there. God's got all that worked out. 
going to be amazing. But between now and then, let's enjoy this. Just don't dig a tomb unnecessarily or prematurely. Be anxious for nothing. But in all things and at all times, the Bible says, give thanks to God for what we have. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you, Jesus, for being a tomb raider. Jesus, I just pray that right now that if any of us are living in a tomb that we've made with our own hands, I just pray you'd come and rescue us from that this morning. Come and rescue us. Set us free. Set us on the right path. Holy Spirit, come now and be our teacher. Help us to understand the the teaching of this day from your heart, from your perspective. Come, Holy Spirit, and speak to us. Encourage us. Help us to know that we've been set free in Jesus Christ for all eternity. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross. Thank you for coming back to life. Thank you for being alive for us. Thank you for being true to us and honest and, and all those things, Father, in our lives. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for that relationship we have with you. We bless your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.